Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Providence Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac, Associate Advisor at Providence. Joined with me today is Zhihan, who is a client advisor, and Joyce, who is an associate advisor here at Providence. Hi guys. Hey, hi, hi Isaac. Hi uh, Isaac. Thanks, yeah, thanks for taking the time to uh, have a chat today. Happy to be here. Yeah, same. Today's topic is the wealth advisory landscape of Singapore. And we have specifically chosen both of you to share your past experiences um, working within the wealth advisory space, of course, prior to joining Provident. So before we begin, could you briefly share with our listeners about your experiences you know, in the wealth advisory space before you joined here? Uh, let's start with Zhihan. Uh, what oh. did you do previously and what prompted you to join Provident? Right, right. Uh, I actually started my career representing an insurer in 2009 before transiting to a financial advisory firm in 2019. You know, so representing an FA firm is slightly different from representing an, in, an insurer because an FA firm actually allows us to recommend products from various insurance companies and different investment platforms. So how I really came about uh, to Provident was actually because of a video so one day I was just researching on some CPF schemes. You know, I came across a video posted by Provident featuring Chris. So what he said really resonated with me. And hence, I started following Provident. First of all, uh, Provident's fee-only structure uh, really appealed to me. And the support that, that uh, an advisor gets also really appealed to me. Uh, fee-only stru- fee structure removes a huge chunk of the financial conflict of interest. You know, and then in Provident, we also have an investment team, you know, taking care of the investment side of things, solutions, taking care of the planning methodologies, insurance, etc. So, I mean, as advisors, we really cannot be an expert and cannot be multidisciplinary. And also having all this support and also the fee-only structure, I think that, you know, uh, was the uh, pull factor for me to come to Provident. Yeah, so Chudan, um, thanks for sharing. So which video specifically uh, do you watch that? Uh, you know, that featured Chris and inspired you to apply for Provident? Um, there's a couple of videos, but the very first video was actually, I think it was on the Royal Singapore, you know, mm. whereby Chris shared uh, his story about why he actually left the insurance industry because uh, one day when he was approaching a very senior client and the senior client was always very supportive of him, you know, and uh, he actually asked Chris that one you know, uh, Chris, you always come to me, I always support you, right? But I'm sure one day uh, the uh, the insurance that I have will be enough, right? So, you know, that made Chris uh, really think about it. And he talked about the inherent conflict of interest between an advisor and a client. So, yeah, that, that was the, the, uh, the first video that I saw that kick-started me following Provident. Actually, if you go onto our Provident YouTube uh, homepage, the landing page, you actually mm, can mm. see that, that the story of Chris, the reason why he started Provident is, is on the page. La. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right, and a lot of our um, staff, especially advisors, you know, they, mm. they experience the same thing. Like, they watch a video of Chris, they listen to a talk about, you know, that, that uh, Provident has done, and that inspired them to uh, write into us uh, to join us. Exactly. I think it's really the philosophy that brings in the right-minded people. Okay, thanks for sharing, Zihan. So, uh, Joyce, what about you? Uh, how was your wealth advisory journey prior to joining Provident? Mm, thanks, Isaac, for the introduction. So, prior to joining Provident, 
I was a financial consultant at a local bank. Then I soon realized that uh, what truly motivated me was the opportunity to provide ethical financial advice to my clients and believe that uh, financial literacy plays a vital role in everybody's life. So, so while I was in the midst of uh, searching opportunities to fulfill my passion, I chose upon a video by the Royal Singapore similar to Zan. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. So uh, how I get to know this video is because my partner uh, watched this video and he was saying that I think you can relate to this guy. This guy uh, means Chris. Yeah, so I watched the video and uh, I was truly inspired by Chris and the founders at Provident who stood their ground as the first fee-only wealth advisory in Singapore changing the way uh, wealth advice is given so, uh, despite uh, facing the backlash from the industry. Their commitment to being honest and providing genuine advice aligned perfectly with my values and this prompted me to reach out uh, to Provident and join their mission to make a positive impact in people's lives. Okay, that's really interesting that both of you were inspired to join Provident after watching a video from Chris. So I think Chris accidentally created a, a very effective recruitment video. Um, so to our listeners, you know, whoever who is um, interested, you can actually go to our YouTube page to look for um, that video. Um, and if you are interested in a career with Prov- at Provident, maybe you can always um, write in to us and uh, we can always have a chat with you on to see whether our, you know, we align and there's a possibility for a career at Provident. Okay, so uh, let's just jump right into today's topic. So let's start with the structure of your previous role um, in terms of pay or even the scope of work. So in terms of how your pay is structured, you know, uh, let's start with Zihan. How does it differ from a typical 9-to-5 job? Right, I mean a typical 9-to-5 job uh, for most employees, you know, they are employed, they get a monthly salary. But for, I would say, almost all the financial advisors out there, we are all self-employed. So if you recall my introduction, I mentioned that I was representing an insurer, representing an FA firm, and not working for them. Right, so uh, we are all self-employed. La. We are compensated via commission. So if let's say there isn't a sale, we will not have any income and actually that can be quite daunting for someone new who has not uh, joined the industry yet. Well, so at the start, mm. it would be, it's, it's quite tough la, because if you don't have any um, basic and you know at the start, you wouldn't have any clientele, right? Yeah, yeah, you can say that. However, right now, there are quite a number of schemes out there to help people who wants to join the industry. You know, uh, it's... Uh, like some sort of pay but there's no free lunch in the world uh, you know if mm. let's say you don't meet a certain target you may have to pay back at a certain time I see okay yeah. so uh, yeah we were just talking about you know uh, having a commission you know so the thing is that for the commissions generally well, we are paid over a period of six years sometimes it can it can stretch longer sometimes it is shorter you know, so if let's say we are consistent with our sales, the recurring commissions can actually get pretty substantial over the years. And so for a seasoned agent who has been in the industry for quite some time, you know, uh, been, uh, been a pretty consistent performer, even if let's say that month he or she does not bring in any sale, he or she can still fall back on the recurring commissions uh, for an income. La. So in that sense, I think it's, it's, it's pretty uh, stable, pretty lucrative for someone that does well. 
right? So if you have a base of uh, clients already, so the recurring income would sort of be like that. You know, uh, less pressure. Always try to find sales every month once you have that base. Yeah, you can say that. You can get uh, comfortable after a certain number of years. Right, then what is your daily duties like, you know, when you are going to the office, for example? How is it like um, as compared to a, uh, a typical 9 to 5 job? Also, prospecting and client meetings, right, they are really the lifeline of every self-employed financial advisor. We actually spend a great deal of our time doing that, prospecting, you know, meeting clients. So when we are not prospecting, what we'll be doing is actually the mundane administrative stuff, you know, uh, doing uh, product comparison, administrative work, studying the various financial products. And as self-employed, we do not have anyone to report to. So sometimes, you know, we will just... Uh, be really, really lazy and not do anything. <laughs> right. Okay, what about you, Joyce? Um, you worked in a bank before. How, is it, um, how does it differ from a typical 9 to 5 job? Mm, okay, so when it comes to pay structure, right, a little bit similar to uh, Zihan's, but the difference is in that uh, working in a bank means you will receive a, a fixed salary, a higher fixed salary with commissions. So, however, uh, compared to uh, financial advisors, Bankers usually earn lower commissions. Right. Yeah. To earn a higher commissions, you will need to meet your target in order to to meet your target, uh, which often involves in promoting products that generate more revenue. Ah, okay. Yeah. So uh, in terms of our job scope, working in uh, uh, working in Provident is quite different from the bank. Uh, so I was posted at a bank branch. Uh, my daily routine involves uh, assisting the working clients, helping them with account opening, uh, bank account openings, servicing, and more. Right. So, Joyce, you mentioned that it's different from how it is here at Providence. So, could you elaborate on what the difference is like? Mm, so, in terms of the uh, job scope, uh, I'm an associate advisor here at Providence. So, I'll be assisting our client advisors in uh, the para planning work. And also, um, we'll be attending the meetings with clients, client advisors, and also helping with some administrative work. But mostly here, here at Provident, we, we do have trainings uh, almost weekly about products uh, or investment uh, instruments that we, ever, uh, we consider, such as like crypto, um, private equities. So we actually have a training about the products, the instruments. Uh, not about how to sell it, but more of why we did not incorporate it in our portfolio. So knowledge can be trained, but whereas in the bank, the training that is provided are more of uh, training of a products of how to sell that products to clients. Okay, so this is mainly the job scope that's different. But I noticed that one key difference between working at Provident and the bank um, is the people. So um, here at Provident, we place uh, great emphasis on the people that we hire. You can be a great salesman or an advisor with high assets uh, under management, but if you don't have the heart to act on clients' best interests by doing the right thing, you cannot be one of us. So you simply cannot fit in. And the people here, uh, regardless, during lunch break or coffee break, we often talk about how to do, uh, like talking about doing the right thing for clients um, and how we can better value add to our clients. Yeah. So the passion of providing proper and ethical advice here is what truly sets us apart 
and uh, it's what makes us who we are. Right, right. I can't agree more with what uh, Joyce have just said. Client centricity is really at the core of what we do over here at uh, Provident. So, you know, in the past, I spent a lot of time prospecting, meeting clients. Uh, right now, what I realize is that I spend almost all my time still meeting clients, but listening and understanding their needs, really helping them to uncover what really matters to them. You know, and I spend a great deal of time, you know, on analysis, numbers crunching, helping them craft their wealth management plan. And like what uh, Joyce mentioned, you know, we do spend uh, a considerable time attending internal and uh, external trainings. A, a very drastic difference uh, uh, that I really realized is the, the passion that the people of Provident has. You know, when I first came, it was quite mind-blowing because uh, something that wasn't experienced before and Right, we will spend two, three hours, the whole company, the solutions team, investment team, the AAs, the CAs, yes. spend three hours debating on how we should structure the risk profile questionnaire. Right. Something that you know unheard of <laughs> in the industry. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I think I think client centricity that's re- that's really the core of us. Yeah, I think on to uh, what Joyce what Joyce mentioned also, we had uh, six hours of crypto training. Um, so we already we, we didn't intend to uh, put cryptos in our portfolios mm. uh, but we just we don't want to you know if at, at the point in time I think it was the height of the crypto hype um, where everyone was asking about crypto and whether Providence is considering that so the, sh- the short answer is no but um, the company feel that we we should be educated about it. So, you know, we went through six hours of crypto training, understand how it works. It was very complicated. I tried to absorb as much as I could, but in general, that's, you know, we just don't, we, we don't want to just say, oh, you know, we, we don't want to do it and that's it. You know, we want to educate ourselves and give a reason why we say, um, you know, to give an educated reason on why we, we, we do not add crypto into our portfolios. Right, la. right. Okay, so let's move on to uh, client acquisition. So with every sales role, um, client acquisition is crucial. So, uh, in terms of client acquisition in uh, FA or IFA firm, how is it like for an advisor um, to get clients? It all really depends on us. You know, we are our own boss. You know, so we dictate our prospecting activities. We really did everything. I mean, when when I first started out, uh, there wasn't any recurring income. You know, so I had to do everything myself. So a typical day uh, is that nine thirty, I reach office, I cold call until twelve thirty, go for lunch. You know, and uh, after lunch, continue cold calling. Then five six o'clock, go to the MRT station, do street canvassing. Then at night, we would uh, comb the HDB flats, and especially during uh, weekends, you know, seven to ten. Uh, PM. That's the prime time when everybody is at home. So you'll see me sc- uh, scoring through all the HDB flats in Singapore. You know, but when things got a little bit more stable, there's some recurring income. That's when we uh, can start to do things at scale, la. You know, we employ telemarketers, mm. right? We set up a call center, uh, things like that. But gradually, as uh, the landscape changed, social media start to gain traction. We started Facebook advertising. Uh, and I started, you know, LinkedIn advertising, all these things as well. So, yeah, it really depends on us, on how we want to, uh, you know, conduct our client acquisition activities. Wow, sounds like really hard work. I mean, uh, is that uh, something you do every day or, you know, you, you allocate certain days of the week that you go around uh, scouring at all the HDB flats that you mentioned? For the first three years when we do not have a lot of clients and we do not have uh, a huge recurring base, uh, we really had to do that, lah. 
you know, but after three years, uh, when I uh, accumulated, acquired about 200 clients, uh, that's when things get more comfortable. Mm. Yeah. So do you face a lot of rejections when you were doing all this? And uh, how do you feel during uh, when, when you face all these rejections? Do people find you annoying? Or? Uh, initially, it was difficult, you know, but we were trained to accept rejection as part, part and parcel. Uh. I mean, if let's say we are, when we are doing cold call, we don't even know who the other party is, right? So if let's say you want to scold us, uh, it's just another voice, right? But things do get a little bit more personal when you meet face to face, like when you are doing road shows or you are combing the HDB flats, you get slammed and things like that. But mm. after a while, it, it's, it's just part and part, parcel of the process. Right. Okay, Joyce, so how does it differ uh, in the bank? So uh, similar to Zihan, I also do uh, cold calling back then. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, I have to assist the walk-in clients, right? So every time uh, when you get a chance to speak to a walk-in client, that's when uh, we'll start with uh, small talk, knowing them, asking them the purpose of opening an account, is it for saving purpose? I think that's a general question that most of the bankers. So I think if you, if you ever been to the branch to open an account, I think that's a question that you usually get from the bankers. But eventually, you'll find that actually financial planning is very important. The advice that we give as an advisor is very important. It could impact uh, their, their lives and their future. So um, I started getting more um, interested in knowing how they plan their finances that's where I started to look into uh, studying into insurances and all that because before you are before aside from savings you also have to make sure that you do have uh, sufficient uh, coverage for yourself in terms of like insurance and all that right so that's when I uh, studied deep into uh, the needs right so before we go into the process I'm actually very curious about um, what are the strategies uh, that you use in the bank uh, to get clients. I think for Zihan, he shared that, you know, he's, he's, he's really just going, uh, I guess, door-to-door knocking, whereas in the bank, uh, you know, what are the strategies that uh, personal bankers would use to acquire clients? Mm, good question. So, um, so I recall having, actually, uh, I think most of you will have this account that we call it a salary crediting account, right? which usually gives you a higher interest rate for whatever savings that you have. But this requires you to hit a certain criteria. Yep. So um, the most straightforward one is to have a salary uh, gyro credit into your account. Then you have credit card spending and also uh, if you have an insurance product with the bank. Okay, so how we used to bundle that is that if you use your credit card to spend on your premiums, then you hit two criteria. Ah, okay. And then you have seller crediting, then you hit three criteria, then you get a higher interest rate. So by doing this bundle, right, client will then get interested in, eh, oh yeah, maybe I can, you know, it's savings also. It's part of savings, right? I buy endowments, I pay the premiums using my credit card. It's a win-win situation. But really or not, uh, there is a need for that. Or can you do better than just doing an endowment? Uh, this is another story. Yeah, I can see how it, uh, that is quite enticing. You know, you know, back then uh, when I was an FA yeah. uh, agent, 
uh, our competitors are not really fellow colleagues, you know, it's actually the bankers. Because first of all, they know exactly how much money the client has. They know exactly how much they are earning. They have full access to all the information, whereas we poor agents have to be <laughs> left down there guessing. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's give and take, right? Like even earlier you mentioned and talk, uh, about the pay structure, you know, uh, the bankers will have... Uh, Higher basic but less commission, but the FA, um, you, like you mentioned, you're self employed, but you have to do a lot of um, client acquisition work yourself. La. In a way, the bank has more weapons, right? Like you have this um, higher savings account, you have this promotion, probably a fixed deposit promotion as well that you can use. La. Exactly. Okay, so let's move on to the uh, advisory process. So let's say you both have an appointment with a client. So how does it typically go from the point of meeting the client for the first time and to the closing of the sale? Yeah, usually it's the advisor that reach out to the prospect first, la, right, uh, in, in, the, in the FA insurance uh, industry. So when the prospect agrees to meet up, you know, they either they have something that they are looking for or something that we have said that we have mentioned in our initial conversation, you know, that actually interests them. So when we meet, you know, we will uh, dive straight into that area. Uh, typically, it's just two areas of financial planning. Like it's either wealth protection, you know, or wealth accumulation uh, in insurance term, either a life policy or endowment plan. So we'll just go straight into that area. Right. Pretty straightforward. So in terms of your own personal experience, like how many meetings... Uh, I mean, ideally, how many meetings do you hold before closing the deal? Of course, we want to close the deal on the first meetup, la, right? Uh, however, it's not uh, entirely possible for all clients. Typically, two two meetings before before we close the deal. Yeah, so very similar. The meeting is usually uh, a follow up meeting after account opening process, or a meeting that um, uh, that we arrange during the co calling. Yeah, so we were expected to close the very first time when we meet the client, which usually takes up to two to three hours. Right. And that is very short, I would say. So within this uh, first meeting, let's say you close the client, uh, you know, there's uh, a fact-finding that has to be done, you know, the risk profiling. Mm. Um, you know, of course, you know, there's a huge scope for wealth planning, right? Uh, protection, accumulation, drawdown or even wealth transfer, and all of these are interconnected. So, for example, if let's say you allocate more for wealth protection, like insurance, for example, mm. you have less for wealth accumulation. So, how do you deal with this, you know, if you have to close, um, or rather, you know, you close a deal with the client in within the first or second meeting? Right. I mean, I can't say that, you know, it is uh, relevant to all financial advisors out there. But based on my personal experience, my take is that generally the population out there isn't ready to do comprehensive financial planning. So uh, like what I mentioned earlier on, you know, they are usually more interested to do one area of financial planning. It can be they just want to save for their retirement mm. or they want to save for their children's education or they want to be covered in terms of critical illness. So we'll just dive uh, into, into that, that aspect of financial planning. It is really through uh, relationship building. You know, after the first sale has been made, the relationship has been built, trust has been uh, built over, the uh, over time, you know, that when they become more comfortable with you, then you can really dive deep into their finances and do a comprehensive financial plan for them. But other, uh, other than that, you know, the first couple of meetings usually is really just targeted at the area that they are interested in. 
So very similar to what Jan just, uh, just mentioned. Um, so we will do the proper fact-finding. So after fact-finding, knowing how much uh, uh, surplus cash flow that they have, then um, whether they have enough for uh, savings, uh, endowment plans, or do they have enough protection, then that's where we close the deal. They have already bought a lot of endowments back then. So, so naturally, uh, buying another one uh, is just... It's just very easy. Normal to them. It's very normal to them. Right. So in a way, it's very transactional uh, in terms of, um, you know, just do a fact find, we do risk profiling, and then we can, of course, we'll have a discussion on the affordability and then um, the product is sold. Generally, I would say so, but, you know, there are certain uh, exceptions where clients are really more into comprehensive financial planning and they do not mind revealing more info about themselves. But you are right, generally, it's pretty transactional. I see. So let's move on to the financial instruments that um, is recommended to the clients. So what are the you know, products or instruments that you typically recommend uh, when you do, after you've done the uh, fact-finding and risk profiling, what do you usually recommend to the clients? So banks typically have limited products that um, to product providers that they have a partnership with. And the benefits is that if you purchase the product from the bank, you can just visit to any branch if you uh, you need um, some kind of servicing or you have any questions regarding the product. You can always go to any branch. For clients who are looking for something that's, I would say, uh, less risky, products like endowment plans are being introduced. Yeah, short-term endowment, long-term uh, for savings. So for uh, clients who are looking for something riskier, uh, who don't mind taking risks, uh, there will be unit trusts from different fund houses. Right, so how does it differ as an IFA agent? Huh? In the financial planning industry, there are two structures out there. One is a tight agency whereby you are tied to the insurer that you're representing. Another one is an independent IFA, you know, whereby you represent multiple insurance companies and various uh, investment platforms as well. So with that uh, structure in mind, you know, you have access to basically all the financial solutions out there. La. You know, uh, for protection, you can have like Cashew Life, uh, Elder Shoe Supplement, uh, Whole Life Plans, Term Policies, uh, ILPs, right? Whether it is for protection or wealth accumulation. Uh, and for wealth accumulation portion, the more conservative ones will go for endowment plans, retirement income plans, uh, savings plans, uh, and things like that. So we, we, we basically have access to, to almost everything. And for investments, it will be unit trust, but typically actively managed funds. Right. So to what extent did this wide range of instruments allow you to give uh, good financial advice? I think the access to so many different financial solutions did not really enable us to give better advice because, I mean, you can give better advice even without any products in place, right? Right. Uh, uh, the only thing is that it gives us more solutions, uh, more avenues to select uh, a better product. However, the truth is that when we have access to 13 different insurers, you know, and each insurance company has got 20, 30 products, do you think we are an expert in every single product? 
It's yeah, very unlikely, yeah. correct? Yeah. You know, so uh, the truth is that we are only masters of a couple of insurance companies and different products. La. Right, that's a good point. Okay, let's move on to follow up. Uh, so do you both regularly meet up with your with all your clients like at least once a year? Okay, so depends on the client's expectation. So most most clients are uh, used to the very transactional kind of uh, relationship with the banker. So um, no matter how genuine you are, some clients rather not meet you because they don't need any help unless they need servicing in the products or they have questions regarding that uh, investment, right? So, but I do have a group of clients that I uh, that I'm close with, um, and remain close with today. These clients uh, are are the clients that we I meet up regularly a year. I would say maybe uh, easily, maybe once every two three months. I totally agree with uh, Joyce. Uh, it's really not possible to meet up with every single client once a year as a financial advisor and operating uh, as a one-man show, right? Like for me, when back then I had about 500 clients, so logistically it's really not possible. If I just need to meet one client every single day, you know, one year uh, itself is not, not even enough. And uh, mainly it's also because most of them are insurance clients. So, you know, when they purchase a endowment plan, term policy or life policy, there's, there's not much review needed, right? So in that sense, operationally, it's not viable. And in terms of needs, not exactly required as well. But for clients that, you know, has got investment plans with me, yeah, uh, we, do, we do update them regularly. Sometimes they do call us as well. You know, so another aspect is also probably is, is also the rapport with your clients. Sometimes you do meet up with them, you know, for a meal, to chit chat, like a normal friend. Yeah, so it really depends. So how do conversations usually go uh, when you meet up with them? So when I do meet up with them, uh, we usually catch up on their personal matters, about their, usually about their work, and sometimes even discuss about financial issues. So just for example, I have this client who in her early 60s, uh, she often come to me uh, asking, because she does have a lot of uh, money in the bank accounts in various banks. So she usually will come to me and ask, hey, um, you know, I'm being offered this product, whether is this product sound for me? Because I'm in my 60s really. So these are the conversations that I have with my clients. If they really need help or they need a second opinion, they will always come to me. Right, what about you, Chidan? Contrary to what a lot of people actually believe, that every time when uh, financial advisors meet up with clients, it's always about a product. Yeah, true to a certain extent, but not entirely true. Like, because for me, you know, there are clients that I really enjoy hanging out with. You know, uh, we have meaningful conversations. So yeah, we can meet, you know, and not talk about products, not talk about money, you know, but talk about life in general, about being human, uh, building relationships, right? But yes, we do meet up with clients with an agenda. Perhaps, you know, there's a new launch, you know, there are, there's a certain product that we think that will benefit clients and we really want to recommend that product to, uh, to them, you know, yeah, we do meet up uh, with them for various reasons. I see. Thanks for sharing both of you. Okay, so let's move on to Providence process. So in terms of client acquisition, our advisory process, the financial instruments that we use and the follow-up that we do, uh, I believe we take a very different approach. So uh, maybe, Suhan, at a high level, could you explain our approach? Right. Uh, I think over at Provident, we are very fortunate, you know, because 
clients generally come to us, they write into us and inquire on what we can actually provide them with. You know, so in terms of client acquisition, we don't really have to do anything. Uh, the brands team, you know, they are in charge of communicating our philosophies, our planning methodologies. And I think they have done a really, really good job in that aspect. So when clients come to us, you know, we actually hold very deep conversations with them. And that's important to us because we really believe in making life decisions first before making financial decisions, right? That's uh, the number one call. And because of this philosophy, it's important for us to know what is important for our clients. And it's through deep questioning techniques that we are able to identify and uncover what really matters most to our clients. And once we can actually uncover that, you know, it's the easier part of using uh, suitable instruments, numbers crunching analysis, and try to write a plan that fits their life aspirations. And also in terms of the uh, instruments that we use, you know, Low cost is very important for us in terms of uh, risk uh, mitigation, the insurance policies that we recommend. Uh, for example, we seldom recommend a whole life policy because of the cost, right? Term policy is what we uh, advocate. And in terms of investing, we do not believe in forecasting. We do not believe in uh, timing the market or having any strategic or tactical asset allocation. Uh, low cost is very important as well in terms of fees because we also believe that when we can, while we can get the returns that the market generate, if we do not keep the cost, the fees under check, it will eat into the returns in the long run. Mm. So that's uh, basically what we do in terms of uh, planning and analyzing for our clients. And of course, uh, that's actually the start of a financial uh, wealth management plan because financial planning, wealth management is really for the long run, for whole of life. Right, uh, so we conduct regular updates with our clients, progress meetings. Uh, if let's say there's any tweaks that is needed, you know we have to make changes to the plan, make adjustments. Yeah, so basically that's really what we do over at Provident. Just to add on, right? So all the process that uh, Zihan just mentioned, it takes two to three months. So it's very different from the bank. So we are expected to close a deal within a few hours or within the first two meetings, right? With us, we think that the first meeting, the second meeting are the very uh, important meetings. The analysis part will take longer than usual. Giving solutions is easy, but really finding the problem is the difficult part. The diagnosis, lah, we say. Right, so the first few meeting, there is no transactions involved. It's, it's really uncovering what's important and also setting the alignment in terms of the client and the firm, the advisor. Because you see, wealth management, like what I mentioned, is really a lifelong journey. So before you engage in this professional relationship, you want to have uh, and make sure that the alignment is there. So how does uh, fee only come into play? In this case, how does fee-only, this structure of being a fee-only wealth advisory allow us to use this approach? So when we talk about fee-only, it means that clients pay us a fee to do uh, the financial planning, the wealth management work for them. You know, so when they pay us uh, a fee, you know, we are actually on our client side with uh, no financial conflict of interest, right? So with that in mind, you know, we can actually very impartially write a report that is based on their best interests. And with that, uh, when we do not have any uh, financial incenti uh, incentive to recommend them a certain products, you know, that also gives us the fiduciary duty 
to recommend products which uh, has the client's interest at best. So um, for listeners who are not familiar, could you elaborate more on the fee-only structure? Okay, fee-only means that client pay us a fee to help them with their wealth management needs. So we do the analysis, right? we do the numbers crunching and we come up with the recommendations and we uh, also recommend them solutions. A very crucial thing about fee-only is that only the client pay us a fee. We do not accept any form of commissions from any providers out there. And hence, uh, with this business structure, it actually eradicates the inherent conflict of interest between the client and the firm. However, I think there's, a, there's an article that our CEO, Christopher Tan, uh, mentioned about, you know, being fee-only does not mean that there's no uh, entirely no conflict of interest. But how do we actually mitigate this conflict of interest? You know, it's through the writing of a wealth management report. You know, uh, our clients that come to us, they are really not silly. If let's say we recommend something which is out of the ordinary, that is, that, that is not uh, relevant, they will be able to tell. So fee only is the first way we mitigate the financial conflict of interest between the client and the firm. And the second way is through the writing of a comprehensive wealth management report. Just to add on that being fee-only is not just that we don't take any commissions, but it also means that any of the investment instruments do pay us a trailer fees. We will refund them back to our client, but generally we utilize funds that do not pay us any trailer fee. Right, so to summarize, you know, if let's say a client buys an insurance, uh, we will only... Uh, choose what's best for them regardless of what is the commission that is being paid out from the insurer. So the same will apply for um, different funds as well and different fund houses. It shouldn't influence our decision whether we choose uh, fund A or fund B and rather that's how we are able to choose um, the best instrument for our clients because they are the only they are our only paymaster. Right, that very accurately summarizes the benefit of being fee only. Okay, let's move on to the last question. It's uh, a bit cheeky, you know, in terms of this question. Uh, but just try your best to answer it, okay? So let's say you are granted the authority to make a change uh, in terms of our wealth advisory landscape. What is the one thing you will change about our current landscape? Um, I don't think I want to change anything about it, but what I really feel is critical is that the general public really needs to educate themselves in terms of their financial literacy. You know, because when we have the knowledge, we will be able to tell whether or not the advice that is given by the financial advisor, you know, it, it, uh, is it a real advice, a genuine advice, or it is merely product pushing? You know, so yeah, with, with that change in terms of uh, educating our general public, I think that will really, really change how the financial advisory industry will function. Right, so what about you, Joyce? I totally agree with what Zihan said. I, I think that uh, financial literacy is very important. So um, prior to joining Provident, I, ex- I actually exploring providing financial literacy for the younger adults or kids because um, being well-educated in financial literacy will help to prevent you from you know, buying uh, products that is not suitable for you. At Provident, that's what we... Uh and advocate for as well. I mean, we produce a lot of um, content, articles, or even this podcast to really promote financial literacy in Singapore. And we hope that, you know, as this podcast grows, as our listener base grows, um, you know, 
they will have more um, knowledge and allow which allows them to avoid financial pitfalls. That's all for this week's episode. Uh, thanks to Han and Joyce uh, for both your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yep. So to all our listeners, I hope you enjoyed our episode on wealth planning landscape in Singapore. If you like this episode, follow our podcast and follow us on social media for similar contents. As always, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. All analysis, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any of use of the information broadcasted, broadcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.